what's that thing I always say about the NXT women's division? You know, something about it being the weapon that we can beat AEW over the head with over and over and over again? Yeah, that. Let's talk about NXT. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Pass Phoenix, the YWC Rally Check, here with your April 1st, April Fool's Day, April Fool's Night, whatever you want to call it, NXT review. And in the times that we are living in right now, would it not be an amazing thing to wake up tomorrow and find out that this has all just been a really long and prolonged April Fool's Day, April Fool's Day joke? Um, it's not, unfortunately, and I want to address the elephant in the room really quickly and then we'll move on. This is the, this is WrestleMania week, and let's just talk for a second about how this is the least possible WrestleMania-y week in the history of WWE, is it not? So, again, I'm going to do what I did last week, I'm going to take a quick second to, uh, Shout out everybody watching right now, thank you for making my video content some of your distraction. I really hope you guys are doing okay. If we're not, if you're looking at all this right now and being like, well, fuck me if this is WrestleMania week, that is okay. That is really, really okay. Because at the other end of it, uh, I talked about this with Connor last week, and thank you to those of you who came and checked out mine and Connor's video. Thank you to him. Hope to have him on again soon. Um... When this is over, and it will be over, I don't want to sound like one of those infomercials right now, this is going to be over one day, and we're all going to be fine again, but this is going to be over one day, and we are all going to be fine again, and people are going to be doing all the babies and the yeses, and we're going to be singing Judas, and all that sort of thing, but right now it really sucks. Right now we're gearing up for a weekend that doesn't have TakeOver in it, which I'm going to address in a second. Right now we're gearing up for two straight nights of empty arena WrestleMania. And it's not, it's not a good time. And we don't know how much wrestling we're going to get after, after the, after the week after WrestleMania. That's what I was trying to say because we know they've taped a bunch of shit before the the government of Florida literally came and kicked them out of the building. So very soon, very very soon, I might not be coming up here with anything to review. So I I don't know. If that happens, I may come up here, I may do some some collaborative content, we might do some fantasy booking stuff like we've done. I've got some fantasy booking stuff on the books right now that I want to do. There's uh, a couple of things uh, I've wanted to do with Guapo or Jake or even Connor. Kristen, we might pull her back in the mix, but if there's no NXT, obviously there won't be an NXT review. So... The pickings could get pretty slim on this channel before before long, so I really wanted to come up to you guys with an update, but the update is I don't have anything to update you with. The update is if wrestling stops, uh, me doing content on wrestling will also will also stop. If it if it's a matter of WWE shutting down for a while, but AEW somehow manages to keep on going because they're AEW and they just get to do that. Um, I may fill the gaps with a couple weeks of AEW content. It's not my goal. 
This isn't really an AEW channel. We do the we do the AEW previews with Guapo, which is something I look really really forward to. But about once every couple of months is about as much time as I want to spend talking about AEW on this channel. This is a WWE channel hosted by a WWE fan. More specifically, in the past couple of years, this has been an NXT channel hosted by an NXT fan. But uh, it's as up in the air as as everything else and I don't want to drip on sentimental like I did last week in that huge extended uh, NXT video that I did and I really do again thank you guys for the feedback on that thanks for paying attention and coming and participating for those of you that did to those of you that have been sharing my stuff around as always I do see you I do thank you I don't thank you enough but uh, it is what it is and if you're not um, I'm gonna uh, finish this ramble up and we're gonna get into the show with what I said last week and if you're not good in these times if you're not uh, if you're not coping so well and everybody I think at some point has a day where they're not coping with this shit so well talk to somebody follow on Twitter if you're following the right people on Twitter the wrestling community is pretty decently coming together I've always said Spaz Phoenix one on Twitter my DMs are open if you need somebody to vent to Come on in, talk to me. Uh, I can't fix any of your shit. I'll say that right off the bat. But uh, we can sit in the same digital room and say, well, doesn't this suck? And that's better than nothing. It's kind of like watching a really, really shitty SmackDown is two hours. You're not actually thinking about the virus outside that's potentially coming to get you. Um, enough of that, because I'm just talking bullshit now. We're going to get into this week's April 1st NXT review. Once again, it is nice, and I hate to... I hate to boil it down to something so simple. It is nice to be back in full sail. When everything else is happening at the PC, a change of scenery, like putting it in full sail because that's where NXT lives, is it shouldn't matter. It, the action in the ring should matter. The pop from the fans should matter, but they're not there. Um, but it is nice to at least see it in full sail. I may be alone in that regard. I really don't know. But if I saw NXT in the empty PC, I I don't know. Because the one episode of NXT that they did they did film in the PC with fans was a re ironically became a really big, and I'm repeating what I said last week now, but it did become a really bad harbinger of things to come because if you didn't like Raw and SmackDown before, they're definitely shit in the PC. Um... Commentary. Commentary is, is a big down. I'm not Simon Miller, you know, the ups and downs, but um, Tom Phillips, God bless him, he's trying his hardest. Sam Roberts is not anybody that I want to hear on commentary. Don't get me wrong. Sam Roberts coming in on the kickoff shows, being on the panels, stirring up the pot, getting the crowd all riled up, doing his asshole shtick. I love it. Not on commentary. I don't need Sam Roberts shtick for two hours. It no, and he and he doesn't. Uh, I'm I'm getting into hyperbole once again. He doesn't project, so he just kind of of mumbles, and he's not mumbling like oh my god I can't hear what he's saying, but he just sort of drones on. And Tom Phillips, like I say, God bless him. He really tried to keep Sam Roberts on uh, on the straight and narrow and, and going through this, but it was just hi I'm Sam Roberts and I'm a dick and I'm going to be a dick for two hours. So commentary. Especially when we're so used to Nigel McGuinness 
and Mauro Ronaldo, and even Beth Phoenix, who's awesome. I If you give me bad commentary on NXT, there's going to be a problem. Anyways, we start with a hype package for the main event of tonight, which is Lee, Dijak, and Priest, which is the first of many takeover matches that we're going to spread over the next couple of weeks, and I have all kinds of feelings about that. I went through most of them last week, but we'll get to it when we get to it. Velveteen Dream versus Bobby Fish and the ongoing story between Velveteen Dream and the Undisputed Era, and he's going to go and he's going to get with Adam Cole, and eventually they're going to have a match. We know that's where this is going, but uh, Adam Cole, in his big celebration last week, which was just him taking a selfie by the pool, said, why don't you face my buddy Bobby Fish instead, and I... I like Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream more than a lot of other people really needs an audience, doesn't he? He really, really does. And Bobby Fish, um, again, I'm breaking it down to the really, really little things. Bobby Fish comes out to the Undisputed Era's music, which is really just Adam Cole's music. So you get to that part in the music where you want to hear the baby, and uh, there's no baby, and it's because there's no audience, and it brings it right back into focus. This is where, and I will be fair, I will be fair to AEW when they had Jericho coming out uh, a couple weeks ago in Daly's place and you had Sammy Guevara being a little twat at the at ringside on a microphone being the only person there singing Judas. That was cool. That was something. That was an acknowledgement of, hey, here's an extra part in the show where the crowd really does participate. And they did they did a mockery of that, but it still addressed it. This was this was the Undisputed Era music with the Bay Bay, and there was no Bay Bay. And like I say, when this is all done and over with, we're going to hear the Yes Chance, we're going to hear Judas, and we're going to hear Bay Bay, and somebody's going to tell Baron Corbin he sucks, and somebody that's not speaking English is going to get what chance? Get over it. Uh, but anyways, getting into the match, the match was functional. I hate to say that, because I'm damning it with faint praise at that point, but I, I don't know, man. Uh, there's a lot of legwork in this match working on Velveteen Dream's leg, and the, there's some psychology there, and it's really good. We're going to get into it in a second, but it was just there. It was just there. I don't know what the ambiance is going to be like for AEW this week, because I am going to watch AEW once I'm done talking to you guys. Apparently, they're filming from a secret location. Isn't that mysterious? Oh, yes. But... Um, Gut wrench by Fish to start the match, and DreamWorks on the arm. They do some chain wrestling, some kicks by Fish, and DreamWorks on the arm again. I can't read my own writing. There's a test of strength. Sorry, because I'm watching on a stream, I can't pause anything, so my notes are even shittier than usual. Snapmare by Dream and a knee drop and a standing sleeper by Fish. Both men trade body shots. There's a boot by Fish. Fish tosses Dream out. Top rope axe handle by Dream. Corner right hands by Dream, followed by a super kick. Why? Why? I'm doing a video. Oh, I think I know who that is. Anyways, if that is who I think it is, salute, brother. We're going to have you back on the channel soon. Uh, axe handles to the outside by Dream, and Dream eats the guardrail super hard as we go to commercial break. One thing I find really interesting, because these shows are kind of piecemealed together, and that's fine. WWE are doing what they can. I know they're falling under a lot of scrutiny for whether they should have shows or not, or how good the shows are. They've made the decision to go forward with the shows. Get over that. Um... So in that context, they are giving us as much as they are able to within the laws of wherever they are, etc. Yes, there was the leaked footage of the women's tag match on SmackDown a couple weeks ago where they went to commercial break and they just stood around. 
And on the one hand, that's really weird because the footage got out. But on the other hand, why, if there's no live audience there, why are you going to fall on your ass repeatedly? Why are you going to throw your body at the ground for nobody? I, uh, I don't know what to say. But with all that being said and with the show kind of being piecemealed together, there was no picture in picture. So when it goes to commercial break, I just have to say, and they went to commercial break and they went to commercial break a lot in this show. I will say that as well. When they come back from the commercial break, forearm off the apron by Fish. Dream rakes the eyes and tosses Fish out of the ring. The trip on the apron by Fish, and there's a dragon screw. The trip on the apron and the dragon screw start the working on the leg. He starts working on the leg in the apron, um, around the ropes, etc. Stomping on the leg. There's a kitchen sink to the gut by Fish, and we go to another commercial break that quickly. Which is which got old really quick. Rolling ankle lock by Fish and right hands by Dream and a backpack sleeper by Fish. Desperation Dream Valley Driver on the leg. I don't know whether it was just him being okay. This is me. Look at my screen name, etc. I don't know whether this was just Dream being really spastic or whether he was trying to sell a really big, huge, um, like burst of adrenaline to get the Dream Valley Driver off. But it was like Dream Valley Driver out of nowhere. Speaking of spastic. Certain somebody at What Culture, I love What Culture, don't get me wrong, but I got called out on on social media, I don't know if you guys saw it sometime this week, by, by like the one asshole at What Culture. I don't have the right to say my opinion or respond to things, especially when it comes to the Wednesday Night War, because he sucks a little bit of Cody Rhodes' cock, um, because he doesn't like the way I use emojis and he finds my screen name offensive. <laughs> that's that's all I've got. That's all I've got. Desperation Dream Valley Driver gets the win for Dream. Um, cuts a promo afterwards. It's really short, sweet, and to the point with not nearly the drama that we usually expect from Velveteen Dream. But the NXT, I'm calling out the NXT champ, Adam Cole. He says he, wa he wants you to pay attention, put your games down in the back, open up your third eye, because when I get my hands on you, I'm going to work you harder than you've ever been worked before. Now, read all the innuendo into that that you want. Moving on, we see a replay of Malcolm Bivens and the other two guys attacking Matt Riddle. And then we see Malcolm Bivens in the back with his guys. And I guess somebody told him, hey, you should have introduced your guys last week, not just yourself. And they are Rinku and Sarif. And the three of them together are Bivens Enterprises. Now, now that's that's not you know, piggybacking on the Robert Stone brand at all, is it? And then I'm going to, I'm going to say something here that's going to get me in trouble no matter how I say it. I am tired of good promos from international superstars just being, I'm going to yell a bit in a language that's not English. Now I'm saying WWE broadcasts in like a million different languages. If you want to translate what somebody's saying to your own particular audience, to your home audience, etc., if those people from those nations want to speak directly to their audience, that is fine. But just the general, and I'm sorry, it comes to a head when you talk about somebody like Asuka, who's amazing, amazing, don't get me wrong, but people are slobbing on the knob of Asuka's promos because she's screaming and it happens to not be in English. And that's what this reminded me of tonight. We have an investment in Asuka and I don't even like it from her. Why am I going to like it from these guys who haven't done fuck all except beat up a guy last week? Yes, that guy is the tag team champion. Matt Riddle is not just a guy. But they showed up 
Um, sort of look like dicks in the sense of we're going to make our statement, but we're going to make our statement two-on-one, rah 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 Yes, there's the argument that it's cut-and-paste uh, heel, heel activity, but that is a really lame... That's a really lame excuse. We, the two of us beat up one guy. The two of us are huge, first of all. Second of all, the two of us that are huge beat up one guy, and now we're yelling at you through your TV screen in another language. I am absolutely sorry, but I'm absolutely not sorry. That is not enough. And Malcolm Bivens looks like a cartoon character. He does. He, he looks like... I'm sorry, I haven't watched Fresh Prince in a long time, but the, the episode where Carlton is like taking like stay-awake pills... To, to get his studying done because he hasn't done enough studying and he like fucking loses his shit and goes all bug-eyed while he's like freaking out and whatever. That, I, I don't need this. I don't need any of this. I have never been the one to say that tag team wrestling is NXT's strong point. But they have other teams there. They brought over the Grizzled Young Veterans. They've got Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. They've got the Broserweights. Uh, they've got Undisputed Era if they want to retread that territory. They they experimented with bringing uh, Webster and Morgan over. Uh, now that's a lot of that's leaning a lot on the NXT UK talent. I get that. But this this is not the move. This is not the move in a WrestleMania season that's not really happening. This is not the move when there are about a million other combinations of people that I would rather see than this. This it's it's a pass. It's a boot for me. Uh, Dexter Loomis exists again, and he beat up a jobber. He beat up a jobber with a slide slam and a choke. And Dexter Loomis again, like you got to give me more than what you're giving me. The guy's big, and they try to sell you on commentary on the fact that he doesn't blink, and that's just weird. He kind of looks like he might have dead kids in his basement. Like, he's a weird-looking dude. He, 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 he looks like he's not all there, but, like, another crazy wrestler is... is you need more, and you, you guys know, I've said it before, and I, will, and I will say it to the nth degree, NXT is my brand. I can take some enjoyment from AEW, even though I take the piss out of them. I can take some enjoyment out of Raw and SmackDown, even though those shows are, are going downhill in, outside of the empty arena shit. Um, I can go to my local. You guys hear me talk about Destiny Wrestling all the time. Uh, every now and then, when somebody piques my interest about something that's happened over in Japan, I will watch a match. If something piques my interest in Impact, I will watch a match. But NXT is my brand. I will come down harder... On, people don't think I do this. People think I kiss a lot of NXT ass. I will come down harder on NXT making moves that I don't agree with than I will on Raw and SmackDown and AEW. And I won't say Destiny because that's kind of an unfair comparison to make because that's that's a totally different thing. But it's it's not the move at all. And uh, when it's not the move and it's happening on NXT, I gotta call, uh, call it out. They, they play the glitchy thing again. We see some flashes of the actual face, the actual person of, uh, I'm guessing it's Killer Cross. Somebody tell me in the box below. Um, had Connor, like I say, last week on the video, giving me a bit of a, a bit of a lesson in what we can expect from Killer Cross, but I still want you guys to tell me down in the box below as you do. We, <coughs> oh my goodness. Anyways, we replayed the Gargano, Ciampa, PC, Brawl. Now, I will say, hmm. <coughs> I swear to God, I don't have COVID. I'm just uh, getting ahead of myself. The one thing I will say about the pre-taped NXT is they're not using a lot of filler. They're not giving you the whole Royal Rumble. They're not giving you the whole WrestleMania match. They're not going to give you the whole Survivor Series match. They're not going to give, you know, 
uh, Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio getting their asses handed to like Brock Lesnar. But they did replay most of the Gargano Chompa brawl from the PC. And they show the graphic for next week for this empty arena match that uh, that Triple H set up for them. The empty arena match, when all the shows are currently empty arena shows, doesn't really work. But they're calling it Blackheart versus Rebelheart one final beat. Now, there's a lot of people out there that are going to say that's really corner, corny. I really like that a whole bunch. And if it's corny, then I guess I'm corny. That's just fine. Moving on, though, uh, it's funny that they call him Blackheart because we have the last chance gauntlet, the gauntlet for uh, the six women that didn't make it into the ladder match for that sixth spot. And considering we just talked about Ciampa, the Blackheart, we're going to talk about Shotzi Blackheart taking on Diana Perrazzo to start. There's a collar and elbow tie up and a mud hole by Perrazzo. A quick roll-up attempt, uh, knocked down by Shotzi and a cannonball against the ropes. I forget what she calls that. She has another name for it that they didn't say on commentary because commentary kind of struggled and I can't think of it either because I kind of struggle. Boot by Perrazzo, mud hole stomp, clothesline forearm, snapmare and a rake across the face by Perrazzo. Seated sleeper, body shots by Shotzi, there you go. Boot, they train some shots on the top rope, there's a headbutt by Shotzi and a Sinton splash for the win! Shotzi moves on, Shotzi then takes on Zaya Lee, there's a drop kick by Zaya Lee to start the match, forearms by Shotzi and a roundhouse kick by Lee, taking us into a commercial break, which is a bummer, because that was most of this part of the gauntlet. Uh, clothesline by Lee, a corner forearm and a high, high knee shot, an inverted X-Factor and an octopus stretch thing. She had her sort of butterfly locked from behind and then she bridged over into the submission. I do not know what that is called. I never did know what that is called. But my girl, Shotzi, she gets the win. She goes on to face Aaliyah. Pinning reversal sequence to start. There's a grounded stretch by Shotzi. Grounded, shots by, grounded stretch by Shotzi on the ground, because that makes sense. There's a hair takedown by Aaliyah, a hip toss by Aaliyah, and a high knee strike in the corner. Shotzi beats her in the chest over and over and over again. She does the over... Uh, she does an overhead butterfly suplex, and she goes back into that bridge suplex thing. They're, sorry, the bridge submission thing again. Gets another win. Out comes Caden Carter. Now, I want to send a quick shout-out to Caden Carter, and a uh, shout-out to uh, Austin Theory. Caden Carter has been featured mostly in squash matches to fill out the uh, women's matches on Raw and SmackDown, which is really awesome. She had the one with Oscar. Uh, I think it was on Monday. I'm not sure anymore. I'm losing track of my days. That's just how we go. But Austin Theory, sorry, taking a break from the gauntlet for a second, Austin Theory replacing Andrade in the Tag Team Championship match at Empty Mania is kind of cool. Uh, Zelina Vega and Andrade are sort of becoming uh, the vessel by which, and I'm not a Matt Hardy reference, it's fine, um, but they are becoming the vessel for these call-ups. Like, they had a built-in reason to bring in Angel Garza because they were going up against Umberto, and Garza and Umberto are, are related and whatever. Now Andrade's out again, they're going for tag team gold, and Selena Vega just reaches back into the NXT pot and pulls out Angel, uh, not Angel, I was about to say Angel Theory, that's, um, Angel Theory is one of the chicks on, uh, on Walking Dead, she's awesome, the show is still awesome, people that have fallen off of it, you guys are all dorks, that's fine, Angel Garza and Austin Theory, there we go, got a string of consciousness there, they're going up against the, the, uh, Street Profits, Spoiler for any conversation I do have about WrestleMania, I do have the odd prediction that they're actually going to win, which is kind of cool. Anyways, 
coming back to the gauntlet because I just went on a big, huge, divergent tangent there. Uh, Caden Carter versus Shotzi was really, really quick, <laughs> if nothing else. Uh, head scissor by Shotzi, a drop kick by Carter, TKO over the knee by Shotzi, and another drop kick by Carter as we go to the commercial break. Irish whip and a step up knee strike by Shotzi, followed by another top rope senton gets the win for Shotzi. And the final opponent for her in the gauntlet, I totally forgot, was in the gauntlet because I was riding high on my Shotzi fandom here. And then out comes Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez. And I said, well, fuck. Beat down to the back by Kai as soon as she gets into the ring. She stands on the throat. She stands on the throat a bunch. I didn't write it all down, but there's a whole lot of times in this short little sequence here that she had with Shotzi where she's just standing on her throat. There's a choke in the corner by Kai. There's some gut shots, an Irish whip, and a trip. Uh, choke over the ropes, a cheap shot by Gonzalez while nobody's looking. Seated abdominal stretch by Kai, a pump kick, a haluva kick, a rolling trip by Shotzi, and a rolling clothesline and a side suplex, which is nice. Suicide dive by Shotzi on... Uh, I cannot read my writing. Suicide dive by Shotzi on both Kai and Gonzalez. Gonzalez attack sorta kinda fails because she throws her into the post, comes back into the ring just in time for another Haluva kick, a GTS, or I think they're calling it the go to kick, which is really lame. Dakota Kai gets the win. Dakota Kai is the fourth person in the ladder match that we're gonna see next week. We're gonna have a ladder match with no audience. That's gonna be really, really awkward. They're gonna be throwing themselves off ladders to the ground in front of nobody. It's 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 bad. Um, I, I mean, Dakota Kai was gonna win it as soon as I remembered Dakota Kai was in this. Dakota Kai was gonna win this, but they had this big, nice, long stretch with my girl Shotzi, and it still feels like she got robbed, even though Dakota Kai is the one. She's been in the in the hunt sort of thing. She's the heel with the big heater helping her out. Uh, she's got the story going on with Tegan Knox that feels like it's never going to end. Um, I have no problem with Dakota Kai winning. I'm just kind of bummed that, that, that Shotzi didn't get the shot. Pun intended. Uh, I don't think Shotzi would have won the ladder match, not going to lie. I don't think Dakota Kai is going to win the ladder match. Spoiler alert. I think it's going to be Io Shirai. Um... They could throw a really big curveball in it and have somebody like Chelsea Green win it, but then somebody like Chelsea Green is going to get the absolute living shit ripped out of their throat by either Charlotte or Rhea Ripley, whoever the new champion is, after WrestleMania. Speaking of which, we saw a video package on Charlotte versus Ripley, which is fine. WWE are great at video packages. Then we got a match that I wasn't expecting but really, really liked. Kushida versus Joaquin Wild. I, I love... I love the Joaquin Wild thing. I love that it's basically, they're basically just letting them be DJZ with a new name. I, I kind of hope that they had gone the EC3 route of just letting them be DJZ. Because all through commentary, and like I say, Tom Phillips and Sam Roberts were, were, were brutal on commentary tonight, but they were even talking about like his, his DJ gig and the whole EDM thing, bringing the EDM feel to NXT. Um, it's a little bit goofy. There are people out there that I'm not going to mention by name that uh, accuse NXT of never being any fun. And to that, I say, look at Shotzi Blackheart's tank. Look at anything to do with the Broserweights. Look at Joaquin Wild. Look at any promo by their current champion. Realistically speaking, Adam Cole cutting a promo is he, he's a great heel. He's a great asshole, but he's also funny as fuck. And it's good. And, I mean, Velveteen Dream isn't exactly your regular, everyday black trunks and black boots wrestler, is he? Um, 
but yeah, Kushida walking walk. Kushida's uh, Back to the Future gimmick isn't exactly you know your typical black boot, black tights wrestler either. But um, collar and elbow tie while works the arm. There's a front face lock by Kushida. Snap gator, snap gator roll by Kushida. Because the last time I saw somebody use a gator roll was Luke Harper, who I guess I need to call Brody Lee now because he's over there in Dark Order pajamas, which is fine. It, uh, we're not going to do that tonight, but uh, the gator roll by him being a big dude was, wasn't effective just because you think of him smothering the guy. Kushida being a smaller guy and doing it with a snap had a completely different effect and a completely different visual aesthetic to it. Side headlock by Wild, arm drag, arm bar combination by Wild, arm drag, drop kick combination by Kushida as we go into the commercial break. As I say, lots of commercial breaks. Uh, chopping a clothesline by Wild, and there's a face slam into the kneecap by Wild, corner chops and a corner shoulder tackle, corner shoulder tackle into the corner, because I like being repetitive apparently tonight. Series of forearms by Wild, a jawbreaker and a back elbow by Kushida, armbreaker by Kushida gets the win, sort of a begrudging handshake after the match with Joaquin Wild looking like he's not, not at all happy about the loss. But he's also not a dickhead, so he sort of begrudgingly takes the handshake from Kushida. Kushida just being super babyface and offering the sportsmanlike handshake, which is which is cool. It was one thing I liked about when they did the Cruiserweight Classic and most of the Mae Young Classic was the whole uh, emphasizing the sportsman. Like, not, not again, I'm going to use AEW as an example. Hopefully you don't think I'm being too negative. Uh, AEW promised, like, the big sports feel and then they've got drones giving news updates, it's fine. But the sportsmanship focus of those tournaments was nice. Uh, and sometimes it wasn't genuine, obviously. But um, when it pops up on NXT every now and then, they usually try to make it seem somewhat, uh, somewhat real or somewhat genuine, it's fine. There's another hype-up package for Gargano versus Ciampa, voiced by Triple H, which is fine. WWE are great with video packages. Triple H, Triple H's involvement in this again is something that was criticized by a lot of people. Oh, he needs to be, he needs to feel like he's the big dad coming to, to coming to pick on the little kids. Triple H hardly ever, other than you know talking the brand up, he doesn't come in as the authority figure. He lets William Regal do his thing, and the fact that he created NXT and he created the Performance Center so their destruction of the Performance Center brought him back made storyline sense so I don't get why people are so up in arms about that so we get a rundown of next week we're gonna get a bunch of stuff next week but basically we're getting Gargano Ciampa one last time and we're getting the Swiss Woman ladder match everything else on next week's show is kinda gonna feel a bit incidental then we have Walking Wild in the back in the parking lot area I should say and he's being interviewed, you know, hey, you know, didn't go my way tonight, rada, rada, rada. Typical, typical interview for, uh, f for a segment where the interview isn't the point. They, they just had it where, you know, a car pulled up behind them, and it almost hit them, except it didn't almost hit them at all. And then the, the, uh, the black, the, uh, the masked guys that uh, the guys in the black masks is what I was about to say before anybody freaks out. Um, the guys that kidnapped Raul Mendoza a while ago, they, they kidnapped Joaquin Wild. So I thought it was a Lucha story. I'm thinking it might just be a cruiserweight story. That might that might be a thing. Or, or they're the Creepers and they want, you know, Joaquin Wild to join Dark Order. 
That's I I I got nothing. Lee versus Priest versus Dijak, which was a not a triple threat that I wanted. B it was a singles match that I wanted to happen at the takeover that isn't happening. And C when they did this when they had the match the first thing they did before anybody came out was they put the takeover Tampa logo in the background so you were looking at the takeover Tampa logo the entire time and trust me i get what they're trying to say we couldn't give you takeover so we're going to give you takeover quality matches week after week and i i'm trying to get that it's not it's not the message i want from NXT but I'm trying to get that, but do not literally put the pay-per-view logo, the logo of the pay-per-view that we're not getting because of how terrible the real world is right now in the background of your match so you can see it the whole time. It's bad enough that other companies, let's just say, are taking credit for something as simple as, oh, their entrance screen is in the background of all their, vi of all their matches now, okay? Let me introduce you to any early Royal Rumble that happened at Madison Square Garden where they came into that little entrance. Let me introduce you to kind of most of the Royal Rumble this year where it was all off on one side, but you could still kind of see the entrance with that big, long, curvy ramp thing that they did. This is not the first time that we've, we've done this. This is not the first time we've shot wrestling from a different angle and shooting wrestling from a different angle or moving your hard cam existed before AEW. I know that breaks somebody's heart. One guy in particular <laughs> who doesn't like me because he doesn't like my name. Anyways, we're not dwelling on that, but the TakeOver logo thing just... It was... It was unintentionally... I'm giving them all the credit in the world here because they are the brand that I have a lot of faith in. It was unintentionally in bad taste, almost. That's, that's how I think about that. Anyways, the three guys come out, Lee and Priest and Dijak, they all come out. Lee throws Priest into Dijak and all three men trade punches as we go immediately to a commercial break, which is a bummer. There's a boot by Priest as we come back from commercial break. There's a corner beat down, there's some mounted punches. There's an impaler DDT by Priest who gets tossed out by Lee. There's a bear hug by Lee on Priest on the turnbuckle and then Dijak sort of comes and knocks them down and we get a doomsday spin kick spot. It was Damian Priest coming off the top rope with a spin kick onto Lee who was on Dijak's shoulders. And this this is where I need to say, Lee and Dijak, I'm tired of seeing it, I'm bored of it, I don't care anymore, it doesn't mean that these guys aren't great in the ring when they get going. This match, I hate to say it, because this is where I was really cheering for Damian Priest, because he's the new guy in the scenario, this match was slow, and I get it, they're big dudes, they were marketing it as the biggest, the heaviest match in NXT history, which is a weird way to sell things. But oh my god, this match was slow. Dijak and Priest double team Lee. There's a double choke slam. There's a torture rack by Dijak. Priest, okay, this was pretty cool, I will say. Priest hits the razor's edge on Dijak from inside the ring to outside of the ring onto Lee and then follows it up with a suicide flip dive out of the ring onto both men. That was a cool spot and it was an awesome way to send us into the commercial break once again. Dijak misses a moonsault. As we come back from our last commercial break, there's a choke slam by Priest. Lee hits Dijak with Priest and then power bombs Priest onto Dijak's back over and over and over again, then turns and hits the spirit bomb on Priest. That was a cool spot. I will give you that. Uh, one arm spine buster by Dijak on Priest. Lee hits a corner splash on Priest and Inseguri and a spin kick on Priest. 
top rope Rana by Priest. Priest and Dijak kick each other, so all three men are down. They have that spot. Priest and Dijak are on opposite sides of one of the turnbuckle posts, and Lee comes right into the corner and Grizzly Magnums both of them. And the Grizzly Magnum just sounds like it would cave in your chest, wouldn't it? Double choke slam by Dijak and Priest on Lee from the second rope. Corkscrew moonsault by Dijak. Priest takes out the knee of Dijak with that extendable nightstick that he's done, but he did it in a really weird way. He didn't hit Dijak with it. He waited until Dijak got him up for the Feast Your Eyes, and when he went to bring his knee up for the that portion of the move, he held the, the, the bar down against his knee, which was a cool thing. Lee pounces Priest, and Priest goes flying into the fifth row, metaphorically speaking, of course, because there's no row, because there's no fans. Remember, the world sucks outside. Uh, Big Bang Catastrophe on Dijak, the implication being that Lee does not know that Dijak has been taken out at the knee by Priest before Priest was pounced out of the ring. Lee retains his title, which is kind of cool, I guess, when Priest does win this championship, and he will win this championship, and I, I'm going to talk another day. There are a couple of other people. If we're going to have one small core of people chasing after this title, just like the Cruiserweight title has a bunch of Cruiserweights around it, uh, the main event title has a bunch of main event people around it. We're gonna, if we're gonna make a condensed group of people fighting over this championship, I have an idea for a couple people that they are leaving out and a couple people that are absolutely going to waste. Um, I'm gonna talk about that sometime at a later date, but Lee gets the win. It's all good. Um, I don't want any title changes while, while all this crap is going on. Like, yeah, that means Goldberg's going to be the champion for a while. Yeah, that means, like, shitty Bailey is going to be the champion for a while. Yeah, that means Adam Cole's going to be champion for a while. The Broserweights are going to be champions for a while. That means... That means Lesnar's going to be a champion for a while, and everybody's going to hate me for saying that. That means all kinds of things. It, it, it's on pause. Nobody is getting their victorious moment while all this shit is going on. So as much as I want Damian Priest to be the next one to carry that belt, because as soon as... Got lost in my thought here for a second. As soon as uh, Keith Lee got the North American Championship, people were saying it should have been the NXT title. You want to have him contend for the NXT title? Fine. That's fine. I think he could do some good with that title before he drops it to go for the big boy. I, that's just me personally. That's just, you know, thinking, you know, a couple of months ahead instead of a couple of days ahead, like some people. But if you're going to take it off him, I want it to be Priest and I want it to be in front of an audience and I don't want Dijak to be a third wheel. I, I need a reason to care about Dijak and I don't. There's a bunch of stuff that I'm being really hard on in this show, but I will say that this match was good for what it was the fact that I don't want it doesn't mean it wasn't good. I'm not. I'm not going there. Um, once again, the women stole the show tonight, and these were. I'm not putting anybody down when I say this. The women that were in this gauntlet tonight were the. It's the last chance. It's the last chance to get into a match that may eventually get you the world title shot. So you didn't have Ripley in there. I mean, you have you have Shirai in the ladder match already. Um, you have Tegan Knox in the match already. You have your champion doing other things, WrestleMania weekend. So this was kind of your third, yes, including my girl Shotzi. This was sort of like your third string 
of women's talent in NXT. Now, first of all, they have a third string of talent in NXT, unlike some people. But second of all, the third string of talent still put on a hell of a match. Um, I, I guess I guess it's a great test to have these people performing in front of no audience because they feed off the audience. The match was a lot of fun, and the match was the highlight of the show for me. I hate to say it. I know I know people like watching the big guys do big guy things, but. It was the highlight, and I wanted more out of that Bobby Fish and Velveteen Dream match. I feel like the ma the better match would have been Kyle O'Reilly, but I also feel like we're going to get that match eventually. I have rambled on quite long enough. There will be some content over the course of this weekend. Uh, it's all a matter of who I can get a hold of and when. Uh, I might be doing something with Guapo. I might be doing something with Kristen and Guapo. I might be doing something with Jake. I haven't set schedules with any of these people quite yet, so I'm not making you guys any promises, but hopefully I will have a rollout of content for you guys this weekend. I really hope so. Um, what else? What else can I say? I was going to say something else, and it fell right out of my head. WrestleMania is this... If I don't get a chance to talk to you guys before, then if I don't get to roll out any of the other things I plan to roll out over the course of this weekend, I do want to say WrestleMania is going to be hard this year. And and I'm not here to be your big moral high ground or anything like that. But watch it or don't. Like, there's no crowd. It's in a, it's in a horrible spot. It's happening in horrible times. The only way WrestleMania is going to be even remotely good this weekend is if the fans just decide we're going to have fun with it. WWE can't decide that we're going to have fun with it. If we decide we're going to have fun with it, cool. I want to I want to reach out into the social universe there and be like, you know what, if you're going to have fun with it, watch along with us. If you're not going to have fun with it, just go do something else. Uh, and that's not me being arrogant or pushy or telling anybody what to do, but WrestleMania is only going to even be remotely good this weekend, this year. If if you decide it is, and uh, you can take that statement for uh, take that statement in whatever way you like, but that's how I'm looking at it. Three days out. Anyways, I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I am tagging out. Bye, guys. So shine,